This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, June 3rd, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The factors that contribute to development aren't so obvious, but elusive also are the political factors to economic reform. Swami Iyer is a research fellow at the Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity at the Cato Institute. He spoke on the economic reforms in India Wednesday. When India became independent in 1947, the socialist government that took over was saw free trade as a tool of British colonialism to keep it to keep it poor. So the general idea was that we must have economic independence to buttress political independence, and the entire ethos of economic policy for three decades was more and more self-sufficiency and more and more public sector dominance. These were supposed to be the two basic principles which would achieve prosperity. Uh, it wasn't Soviet-style planning, it was a mixed economy. But at the same time, there were enormous licensing requirements of a very onerous nature. Uh, you couldn't produce anything without a license, you couldn't import a thing without a license. If you committed the sin of actually producing more than your licensed capacity, here you might have, your shareholders might applaud you. In India, you were in danger of going to jail. Saying you exceeded your licensed capacity. Uh, everybody was free to consume what he wanted because there were controls on what could be produced, what could be imported. I mean, in this particular way of life, prosperity was best achieved when nobody had the freedom either to produce or to consume what he wanted. There was supposed to be this lovely, big, benevolent government which would determine these particular things. Now, to begin with, this kind of planned approach gave India 3.5% growth. In the 1950s, that was regarded as fabulously good. I mean, under the British earlier on, it was hardly 1.2% a year. So they said, you know, I am a champion. I am doing 3.5%. A few years later, Singapore, Hong Kong, and the others began to do 7%. But once you become a self-anointed champion, it's very difficult to say, actually, I'm a dunce. So you turn around and say, well, actually, all those guys are different. Those are terrible neo-colonial puppets. But of course, what happened was that the neo-colonial puppets gradually became richer than the British master itself. I mean, Hong Kong and Singapore both exceeded British GDP, while India remained poor. Okay, so this continued for about three decades. Indian tax rates, income tax went to 97.5% and so on. The idea was that this would abolish poverty. It did not abolish poverty at all. Poverty rates remained unchanged for about three decades. Then finally, in the 1980s, there was a switch. There was some partial grudging economic liberalization, plus there was a spending boom of the government. I mean, government spending rose at 18% a year. But a lot of this was financed by foreign borrowing. It was unsustainable. And so India basically went bust in 1991. It ran out of foreign exchange. So two, three things happened all together. First, India ran out of foreign exchange. Secondly, the Soviet Union, which in some sense was the admired model for, for so many, the Soviet Union was about to collapse. Simultaneously, in China, Deng Xiaoping had shown that, you know, the way forward is not more control, but being market-friendly development. So I think because of the, these, these three things then combined with another completely unpredictable event, Rajiv Gandhi of the Congress Party was assassinated. So the they, his party won that election with a minority government, but it no longer had the same baggage of saying, I have to justify all the socialist policies of my father and my, my, of my mother and grandfather. So there was some scope for some greater change. So it duly took place. So Mr. Narasimha Rao came in. He 
initiated these changes along with the finance minister, Manmohan Singh. Uh, obviously, India was taking a loan from IMF and World Bank. The opposition immediately said, ah, you fellows are in very deep water. The World Bank IMF path was taken by Latin America and Africa in the 1980s, and they had a lost decade. The same thing is going to happen here. You're going to find that there's no growth. You're going to find that if you open up, all our industries are going to be taken over by foreigners. We will, be reg we will become neo-colonial slaves again. Almost every one of these predictions turned out to be wrong. Far from slowing down, after a couple of years to stabilize, Indian GDP growth took off. Uh, between 94 and 97, it averaged 7.5%. At that point, you know, it was so obviously this change had succeeded that even though all the opposition parties had said, we will reverse these policies when we come, came to power, they did come to power, they did not reverse the policies. Now, mind you, in India, there was no ideologue. There was no Maggie Thatcher, there was no Ronald Reagan. So liberalization was a very pragmatic business and chaotic business. Swami Iyer is a research fellow for the Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity at the Cato Institute. You can watch the full forum at cato.org.